All right, if you take your Bibles together with me this morning, we're going to be looking in the book of 1 Corinthians. Book of 1 Corinthians. And we'll take our text from the third chapter. From the third chapter. I'll give you time to get turned there so you can look at it and read along. Chapter number 3, and I'm going to be reading, I think, about 10 verses this morning. But before I read those 10 verses, I want to point out that I'll be bringing a message again this morning on but God. And I'm not going to say this anymore. I keep saying this will probably be the last one, and then I find myself looking at another one. So, that'll be the subject matter this morning. And I'm going to share it with you in a unique way. I'm going to share it with you as has been my own personal experience in uh, teaching on this subject, choosing these texts, seeing what the Bible teaches. And there are some things that are uh, continually going through there. We would think it even if we hadn't looked at any passages of Scripture that the statement, but God, would seem to teach us that, that God intervenes in things or God takes control of something. God directs things according to His precious will. And that ought to be a blessing to us as we think about that. So I'm going to start reading this morning. I'll read, start in verse number 1. Uh, I would remind you that the two verses that have it, and we have it twice in our text this morning, so it may be a double dose of but God. And I'll start in verse number 1. And Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. And I would remind you that the Bible speaking of them being carnal in this passage of Scripture is not the state of being carnal, because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans uh, to be carnally minded is death, and to be at enmity with God and not be able to receive the things of God. So in this particular place, as it becomes obvious as you would read it, it is acting immature, is the meaning uh, of it in this place. He goes on to say, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal, or where is there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. 
Now here are the two verses where we have that statement in, in it. Verse number 6. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, or his garden, you might say. And you are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth. Now Paul is talking about preachers here. He names two of them. But then if you're familiar with the rest of uh, these statements that are made on down through verse 15, you'll discover that the foundation has been laid. And then all of us who know the Lord, we are building on that foundation. Building something. It may not be much, but we attempt to serve Him. We want to do His will. You see something happen to you when God saved you. That is, Brother Moore made this statement the other night in, in the uh, prayer meeting service that God changed His want-tos. Something like that, he said. And that's what happens. When God saves someone, He actually changes their desire. Every truly saved person desires to please the Lord. Now that it's just in them. It is part of what God does. It's part of the miracle of regeneration is that we want to please the Lord. And so everybody is building on this one foundation that Paul mentions here. He said that in the 10th verse, According to the grace that God has given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. I've laid the foundation. Uh, the foundation is the, the basic part of the gospel message that Jesus came into this world. He was born of a virgin. He came into this world to accomplish a specific task. And He did. He completed that part of that that he was going to do while he was here on this earth. But it didn't stop there. He continues to work his purpose and his will all through time until that day when he comes back to this earth to claim his own. And so he came to give his life uh, to save his people from their sin. And so we know what he's doing. The Bible actually says this, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, specially loved people, zealous of good works. And I've always said that's how you know a true Christian. When you see them, they, are, they have a zeal for God. Have you ever known someone that claimed to be saved and that seemed to be totally missing in their life? Uh, it happens sometimes and it's not that we're judging uh, a person's personal relationship with the Lord, 
but we are fruit inspectors and we sometimes inspect and we don't see anything. Uh, we see no sign whatsoever that that person has been born again. So down through time, the Lord has been calling His people out of the world. He's been saving them. And so one of these days, He's going to come back and claim them. They are, as Paul says here, His building. They are His uh, garden, so to speak, that he, till it, he tills the ground and He takes care of them and He's growing them along as they go uh, in life. So that's the foundation that Paul is talking about here. Now I want to point out something that I believe the Lord spoke to me personally about in this passage of Scripture. And of course, like I said a moment ago, I've been thinking, well, I'm going to stop preaching on this series, even though I found 40-something of them in the Bible where it uses that statement, but God. And it's like I told... uh, Brother Steve Perkins, he was here, I think, at Christmas, and he said, I'm never critical of your preaching, brother, but I'm going to be now. And I said, okay, I welcome that. He said, what you preached on this morning should have been a series, and he named the several things that was in that passage of Scripture that I could have preached on. And I smiled and I said, yes, brother, that's true, but sometimes you have to stop and think whether folks will tolerate that or not. And I sometimes think that way. You know that I preach in series all the time. I just can't help it. I get in a passage of Scripture and take up a subject and it just keeps on and on and on in my mind and in my heart. And I believe the Lord's dealing with me that way. But sometimes I get the idea, I wonder how much more of this subject would people tolerate? And uh, how, how quickly might they get tired of that? And so... Uh, when, when the Bible says here, but God giveth the increase. But God giveth the increase. Now, I think a lot about increase. I really do. I think a lot about that. I, I really desire, and I have ever since the day the Lord called me to preach. I want to see the church prosper. I believe the church is God's building. I believe the church is His garden, so to speak. I believe it is, the Bible says, it is His body. And the Bible tells us, it says this, seeing you're zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you might excel to the edifying of the church. If your preacher was not interested in the growth of the church, you need to send him down the road, tar and feather him too, because he's not worth a dime. I'll say that, he's not worth a dime. And I've known some, I've got a lot of preacher friends, I've known some that don't seem to be interested in that kind of thing. But I am interested in the increase. I always, I have, and I am constantly, you wouldn't believe how much I actually think about that. I actually dwell on that. And I know that can be applied in a lot of ways this morning. It can be applied in our personal life. Are we growing? Are we increasing? Are we growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we going backward? You see, there is no sustaining a particular level on and on and on in the Christian experience. I want to tell you this morning, if you're not growing, if you know the Lord and you're not growing, then you're in decline. And we sure can get that way. We can get in decline in our spiritual life. 
You see, the devil does not want any of us to in any way whatsoever serve the Lord in such a way that would honor and glorify Him and promote His kingdom and cause. That's just a fact. And whatever He can do to hinder us along the way, discourage us along the way, have us afraid of every little thing, and keep us occupied by things that are temporal, things that one of these days won't amount to anything. It's like the saying I share with you every once in a while. One of those statements that come from my dad, he said, he would say, son, if it's not going to matter a hundred years from now, it ought to be that important now. You know, that's pretty wise. But the devil would like to get us all occupied in everything that we he can uh, to keep us from uh, seeking. Uh, and, and I want to say that in this passage of Scripture, you might think, well, it, the Bible says it's God that giveth the increase. Preacher, you can't give no increase. And I can't give increase. I can seek it. I can say, Lord, help me, help me personally to grow in grace and knowledge of you. Help me to grow that way. And help me to do everything I can uh, to see increase in your kingdom and your cause around me. And I can do that. I can seek that. I can pray for that. And you know God loves to answer a prayer like that. When it's a prayer for His honor and for His glory, God is pleased with that. And so as I looked at this passage of Scripture, and I thought, well, is there a sermon in this? Then I got hung on the increase. That was something that uh, touched me, and, and it's something I, I have been able to relate to for many, many years is the increase. I like thinking about that. I like thinking about that. So, the Bible says here, now, where do I fall into that picture? Well, I'm a preacher. And I want to tell you something, in this passage of Scripture, uh, it says something about the preacher. It sure does. You might not have ever noticed it before, but it's in verse number 7. And here's what it says. So then neither... Now, he's talking about Paul and Apollos. And what these people did was, they uh, decided they was going to claim, I, I believe that this preacher is better. I, 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 I like him better than I like the other one. Paul and Apollos. That's what they were doing. They were acting immature. They were acting carnal. And they was, it was causing division. Uh, he says in verse 3, For are you, uh, are you uh, yet carnal? For whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? You see, any time that you find a setting where there is no spirituality or little spirituality, you're always going to find that. You know, I've been around a lot of years. I've pastored for a lot of years. And I have experienced some of that envying and strife and division in the Lord's church. And I can tell you after years of experience, Brother Moore could speak to this, it always comes from those that are not spiritual and uh, who have not grown. And that's where it comes from. And that's what the text is saying here. So where, where does a preacher fall into this matter of increase? 
increase. Where does he fall in? Now I want to tell you something about your, your preacher. And here's what it is in verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, nor is he that watereth, of course, anything. So you can say, now preacher, you're nothing. I'd agree with you. The Bible actually says that. You're nothing. What does that mean? It means that the primary focus in thinking about this text is Almighty God. Because it's Him, it is Him that gives increase. It's Him that causes His church to grow. It is Him that uh, intercedes. And this is what this is all about. The whole series is about divine intervention. I like to think about that. I'll be sharing just a little bit of that as we go along. I like to think about that. Because how many of you know that there are times when you are very much aware that you're out of control of things in your world? You can't order up something and have it happen, right? You just can't do it. And so uh, that causes us to think, well, is there one that does control that? And we know that's true. So, your preacher's nothing. I'll just say that. And, and I, I humbly uh, accept that uh, scriptural evaluation of me. And uh, it is all about Him. It's all about God. So this matter of divine intervention. You know something? I don't know whether you've ever thought about it or not. But if you know the Lord this morning, you know that all of your life is thinking about that and you're probably not aware of it. I want to make you aware this morning. Now what I thought as I uh, did this series on but God, this thought came to me. How much increase has there been from that series? In people's life. I wonder, and of course I don't have to know. You just... You know, when you're preaching the gospel, you know what you do. You throw it out there and the Bible tells us very clearly that His Word don't return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which He sent it. That's what the Bible tells us. So, you might say, well, He's not doing anything in my life with the Word. Well, He may not be. That ought to make you think, right? He absolutely may not be. But I thought about that in this series. You know, I thought about the series I'd been preaching on Sunday night. And uh, about to end is so into the spirit, so into the flesh. You know, the Bible says, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he talks about so into the flesh and so into the spirit. And I've been preaching on sowing to the spirit. I hadn't preached nothing on sowing to the flesh. I think everybody pretty much understands what that means. I really do. But how do you sow to the spirit? And I, I don't know, it's probably been, I don't know, it might have been a year. I, I'm not sure how long. I just really don't know. Six months or a year on that very same subject. And because I stopped preaching on that, don't mean that's the end of it, because there's many, many things that are told us in the Bible. But I thought about that. Is there increase that come from that? Is any of our folks really thinking about that part of it? Is, there, is anybody thinking about that? Well, I want you to know that you can experience increase from the preaching of the gospel. You can. 
You may not want to. You may not desire to. You may not put, you may not put forth any effort toward that. You might say, preacher, leave me alone. I just want to drift along the way I'm going. I'm, I don't have any uh, motivation to serve Him in any way better than I am that to His honor and glory. But I want to share with you my own experience. I want to tell you that I have experienced increase from preaching from those two words where they're found and their context, but God. It's divine intervention. That's what it is. Divine intervention. And I want to share with you a little bit about how that I've been blessed. My brother the other day was telling me he had been teaching the sanctuary Sunday school class for some time in the absence of their teacher. And he would uh, engage me in conversation uh, about that. And he was just getting real excited about doing that. And he was telling me, you know, I really, uh, in essence, he was saying, I like doing that. I, li- I really like doing that. And then he got elected permanently. And uh, we was talking about that. And I told him, I said, brother, let me tell you something that I know. The teacher always gets more out of the lesson than the hearer. Always. The preacher, you say, well preacher, you must be really blessed. You've run your mouth for a lot of years. I sure have, and I've given a lot of thought to what I was running my mouth for. What I was thinking about in the Scriptures. And so in this subject, I just sat back in my chair and I said, how have I experienced increase from it? And I want you to know that I wrote down four things, and I'll share these four things with you. And it took me just about three or four minutes to write them down. Well, you say, well, how did you come up with them so quick? Well, I thought about how that I've been blessed by the subject of divine intervention. And I'm going to share those things with you this morning. Number one, I found out that it was instructive. In other words, I could learn more about God. You say, well, preacher, you've been preaching about God for a long time. How in the world could you learn more about God? Well, i got to tell you something. Believe me, you can. You really, really can. You cannot exhaust His greatness. And I've made mention of this every once in a while about the song that we sing, How Great Thou Art. We never sing that song, but what? I don't think. We have no idea. How we, we know about His greatness, amen, by our own personal experience. But how many of us know how great He is? We don't know that. I think that we will spend eternity learning about His greatness. I really do. You know, that's one of the things that I remember one time doing a series years ago, probably 35 years ago, uh, on uh, what we know, what will we be doing in heaven? And I remember that series, and I remember one of the things that come to my mind from the Word of God that I never had thought about is learning. Did you know that? The Bible says we will continue to learn. I can't imagine an existence where we couldn't learn. I, I, as old as I am, I still like to learn. I really do. I just love to learn. And you all know I need to learn a whole lot more. <laughs> you know that, and I do too. But we're going to be learning throughout all eternity. And one of the things we we will learn about is more of His greatness is what we're going to be doing. So instruction. I've been instructed. 
I've learned more uh, about God. I love to think about, I love to teach on and preach about His attributes. His divine perfections. I do it quite often. And I love to do that because I love to think about His purpose. And His purpose throughout all eternity. And you've heard me say something many times. God is a God of purpose. He's not like we are. We live our life and we try this and try that. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we just keep trying this and trying that. God doesn't do that. God already knows what His purpose is. And He works His purpose. And by the way, He uses divine intervention to bring that about. That's the way God works. So I learn, I have learned in this series more about God. I've learned how and why He saves the sinner. I've learned more about that. I, I learned, you know, and I think that's just an awesome subject. We know He does, but do you know how and why He saves the sinner? Well, the Bible would teach us, teach us that very thing. And in this series, for example, uh, in this very book, in the second chapter, uh, I think this was last week's subject in verse 9 and 10 of the second chapter. It says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, and neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them to us by His Spirit. Isn't that it? Is that awesome or what? That's what we... It, it makes you stop and say now, Lord, I wonder how much I don't know. I wonder how much more I can learn. Well... I will tell you something, you, Christian, you will never exhaust that in your entire life. You will never. You may get to a point where you just get plumb negligent. You may even get backslidden. You might not be learning nothing. And you might be in a condition where you don't care whether you learn anything or not. Christians can get that way. And a lot of times, they get in trouble too. Because you know something? This divine intervention happens to backslidden Christians. It does. God intervenes, jerks us around a little bit, disciplines us in order to straighten us up, in order to bring us to repentance sometimes. But He does that. Divine intervention means that. And so he's, He uh, reveals these things unto us. And then week before last, I remember that text, but God commend, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. He didn't, you know, people have the idea, well, God will save me when I get straightened up and I'm doing everything exactly right and then I'll deserve his marvelous grace. That's not what grace is. We'll never deserve that. The grace is that He saves us while we needed saving. That's what He did. And so in these series, and I thought about another one related to that, and I haven't preached from it, so I'm going to read it in case I don't. And Paul is talking about this in Ephesians chapter 2. He's talking about the condition of the person that is not saved. He says, 
Therein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He hath loved us. You see, you say, Preacher, is that how I was saved? That's exactly how you were saved. God intervened in your experience. You know what? Had He not intervened, guess what? These people Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 would have continued down that same road. They would have. They would have continued down the same road. I told Sue one time, I said, you know, if the Lord hadn't intervened in my life, I'd either be six foot under or in the pen. <laughs> and you say, preacher, you're just making a joke. No, I probably would. You know what I'm saying? I probably would. That's the way we do. We go down that road. The next point I want to say is it inspires our faith. And it has mine. It inspires our faith. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But it only makes sense this morning that it, the stronger our faith becomes, the more we grow in our faith, the more pleasing our life would be to God. Did you know that? That's the way it is. And so our faith grows. Our faith grows. And I've experienced that. I've experienced more of that during this series because I've thought about it, and I've taught it, and I've preached it more in this series. Uh, my faith has increased. It really has. Uh, I made this remark not long ago that I, I, I just wasn't afraid of nothing. And it's not that I'm a brave individual, or not that I'm boastful. It's just that God has led me to trust Him more and more every day. That's what faith is. Faith is trusting God. Now, listen, let me tell you what can happen. A person can claim to have faith. That's wonderful. But you know what? It gets tested every once in a while. It really does. It gets tested. Will we trust Him? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer or something like this? Lord, this is what I desire, but it, I'm turning it over to You. Whatever You do about it, I'll praise You and thank You anyway, no matter what. I'll thank you. Do you have you ever done that? That's trusting God, just flat trusting in him. And so knowing that he will intervene, I wonder how many could share with me a testimony of how that God has intervened in your life. How he's intervened in your life. Brother Aaron and I were talking uh, week before last week, last week or week before last, I, I don't know. It could have been a month ago, but anyway, we were talking, and I just made the remark, "That's providence." Aaron said, "Amen." That's providence. The subject we were talking about, we we believed that, we believed that God had intervened. It causes us to trust Him more, you know. Experience has taught us that. Every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody about some need 
or I'll be texting somebody about some uh, need that somebody has or whatever, and I'll get this statement, thank you, Lord. Many a time on a text, I'll tell somebody about how somebody's doing or whatever, and a text will come back, thank you, Lord. You see, it's trusting Him. You know, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. And if your faith is weak, ask God to help you. The disciples one time came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. You know, I need to preach on that. It's been a long time. It's been many years since I have. You know, there's things in the Bible that will help us to increase our faith. You see, talking about this increase, it may not happen if we don't want it. It may not happen if we don't think we need it. But how many of you know the Bible says, Seek, knock, and it shall be open unto you. We ask, and it shall be given, the Bible says. You see, that's, we need to seek the increase. Lord, help me not to ever get in the shape the preacher was preaching about where I didn't think I needed to grow. And I was thinking I need to slack off or whatever. You know, something that's bothered me in recent years is I've, I've slacked off some things. You say, preacher, like what? Well, I'm getting older. I used to flat beat the bushes. I'm not boasting. I just did. And so I used to chase church members. I quit chasing church members. I'm going to tell you what, if the Lord wants them, He'll get them. Amen? <laughs> I don't chase them anymore. I quit doing that. And uh, I quit trying to do get the increase myself instead of praying for it from the Lord. So, growing in faith. And another one closely related to this and obvious is our prayer life. Our prayer life can grow as a result of this. Did you ever stop and think about what most of your praying was like? Most of your praying is, Lord, intervene. Is it not? Most of it? I tell you what, more of it probably for all of us needs to be. I just want to thank you, Lord. That's the line of a song. And I, you know, first time I ever heard that, that stuck in my head. Thank you, Lord. I just, you know, how, how many times lately have you uh, got down on your knees or however you wanted to get? God's not too much interested in your position you're in. If you want to fall right on your face before God, that's a wonderful thing. It illustrates something. But just say, Lord, I don't want anything today. I just want to thank you for being so good to me and blessing me in so many ways. But most of our praying is asking God uh, to intervene in our life. Most of our praying is asking God to intervene to prevent something from happening or to cause something to happen. Most of our praying uh, is like that. You know, uh, an example is that for as long as I can remember, as a pastor, I've always prayed for people who burn the road up every day to get to work and back home. And in Estill County, there's just a lot of that. And I have two boys, and some of our folks have 
done that for years and years. Brother Randy and Sister Jody and Brother Rodney and many have uh, driven a long, long way uh, to get to work and get back home. I got two boys every single day burn it to Georgetown and back. And I pray for people. I pray for travel mercies. You know what I'm praying for? I'm asking God to intervene and keep them safe. I got a text from uh, Sandra a week or so ago that uh, it was her birthday and they'd gone somewhere uh, to eat out, I think. And, and while they were driving on the uh, bypass in Richmond, the car in front of them swerved and they looked and there was a car coming down through there just beating it on the wrong side on the wrong side of the bypass. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like that God kept you from harm? That He intervened in your life and kept you from harm? I remember one time, and I mean, I, I think about this every once in a while, but I was going down the road. And you know, I, I think about driving safely all the time. And I was going down the road, and I happened to think, I was coming up to a curb, and I happened to think, boy, wouldn't it be something if I met somebody on the wrong side of the road? And I slowed down and got over good and everything, and sure enough, there was somebody, I met them in the curb going on the wrong side of the road. You say, well, what did you do? I said, I just want to thank you, Lord. You know, God does do that. He intervenes. And most of our praying is for that very thing, that God might intervene. You know, I think about our prayer list, and at any given time, that's the list we have on Wednesday night. It's all the names are read out uh, every week. And at any given time, there's anywhere between 80 and 100 names on that list. And I've told you before, I carry that list with me all the time. I really do. Anytime you want to see it, I can show it to you. It's in my spare billfold. <laughs> you know the one where I have a dollar bill in there? And if somebody ever holds me up and asks me for my billfold, I'll pull it out and they'll get a dollar bill and a prayer list. And I told you one time, if I ever am held up by a masked person and they say, no, give me the other one, I'll know some of you told it. <laughs> But I carry that prayer list with me. And I look at it often. I think about somebody. I wonder if their name's still on there or whatever. You know, uh, most of them, I pray for them in a general way. Lord, Thy will be done. And whatever it is, I'll praise You for it. But then some of them, I pray specifically. I really do. Because they've asked me to, or the need might be there, whatever. And I may pray for healing. Lord, heal this person. Give them, bless them with healing. I may pray for special grace. Some of you probably have gotten a text from me at some time or another, and I've said to you, I'm praying God to give you special grace. And I believe in that. Because you know the Bible says it's sufficient for our every need. And I may pray for strength. You know, sometimes we just feel so weak and everything. I may pray for guidance may pray for guidance. There may be a young person and they're talking to me about their plans for the future. And they're really serious about that. And I may pray for that person, that young person. Lord, lead them and guide them. Help them to do Your will in what they do in life. 
And so that's what most of our praying is about. It's most of it is about divine intervention. Then I want to mention one more thing right quickly is I couldn't help but think about that time that's coming in the future and it'll be the most awesome intervention. A trumpet will sound and our Lord and Savior will split the eastern skies and He's coming back to claim His own. He's coming back to claim His own. He's coming back to judge the sheep and to judge the goats. That's what the Bible says. It says that in the book of of Matthew. Let's see if I can find that. And uh, here's what it says. And uh, it says, uh, And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them, On his right hand, Come ye blessed of the Father, and hurt the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then in the other verse he says this, And then shall he say unto them that's on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, that's coming. There will be a divine intervention. And boy, will it ever be a divine intervention. It will stop everything. And I mean, there's nothing that will be anymore. It will stop. It will stop. And then following is just the judgment that is going to come. Now, the Bible tells us that that ought to have an impact on us. And it has had an impact on me thinking about that. Here's what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conversation, lifestyle, and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of, the, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to the promise look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you, that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. So should it have an impact? Every time you think about Jesus coming back, you know what you ought to think? Am I ready for that day? And does the Bible say, I can be prepared? It sure does. And so that can be an increase. All these things, preaching this series, has provided increase in my personal experience and walk. And it can you too. Can you too. So pray that God will give it and understand that it comes from Him. But God giveth the increase. Now if you're here this morning and the Lord's been dealing with you and you know that you need to make a commitment of some kind or another, don't be embarrassed and don't be ashamed. I get the chance preaching to make commitments all the time personally. And if you especially... If you're not saved and the Lord's been dealing with you, I will tell you that you really need to do something about that if He's dealing with you. If He's not, then there ain't nothing you can do about it. But if He is, you need to obey. Father, we praise You and thank You for the privilege we've had to think about these passages that talk about but God. Thank You, Lord, for how You teach us and how we can experience the increase. I pray you'd bless us this morning 
as we sing this closing number. Have your will and way, we humbly pray, in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now would you stand with me please while Aaron leads us in closing number.